there are three, three big ones that you need in your lifetime. Somebody said, I know. It's the wife, the kid, and the dog. No, no, it's not the wife and the kid and the dog. In fact, uh, those three are not on the list at all. They're not on the list at all. There's another three, three big ones that everybody, everybody here, everyone here needs in their lifetime. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse number 15. Here's what it says. But speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, listen to this, joined and knit together, watch this phrase, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Here's what Paul wrote. Paul said this. He said, God's blessed us with pastors and evangelists and teachers and prophets and apostles. He's blessed us with with people in our life. And every relationship that you have is is a joining. It is a coming together. And every relationship causes you to grow. Every relationship, every joining. In fact, when you're born, you're born with all the bones that you have in your body. But how many ladies are grateful that you're not born with them this size, right? The size that you are now. You're born with all the bones, but they're not this size. What happens is, at every joint, we have these joints, there's something called a growth plate, And that is what causes your bones to begin to grow. It's where the joint is. So Paul said, just as your natural body, listen now, your natural body is put together, joined together. Where there is a joint, there is potential for growth. If that joint or that growth plate is damaged, then there's no growth. I went to school in middle school with a, a, a young girl in, in my class, she had a hand that was normal size except for her thumb. Her thumb was the size of an infant's thumb. So every other finger was normal, but her thumb was the size of an infant's because some, something happened when she was very young and there was a damage done to the growth plate and so there was no growth. There was no growth. And many of us fail to realize that we grow by relationships. We grow by relationships. This is what God has intended for our life, that we actually grow at the place that we're joined. And so if there is no joining, there is no growth. I'm going to say that again. Where there is no joining, there is no growth. You grow through your joining. You grow through relationships. That's why you need to have them. You were created to connect. You were never created to live life alone. You were created to connect. You were created to be in relationships. This is what God intended. This is how God designed us. And so I want to talk to you today about three big relationships, three big relationships that you need in your life. When the church began to come together in Acts chapter 2, 
Here's how they began to operate. They understood what was necessary. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, here's what it says. That they actually committed themselves. And in the voice paraphrase, it says this. They were committed. They were committed to four things. They were committed to the apostles' teaching, to doing what the apostles taught. Then watch this. Here's what else they were committed to. They were committed to gathering for fellowship. It was a commitment that they made. Hey, they said, we're going to be committed to this. If if we're going to grow, if the church is going to expand, if the church is going to realize its full potential, we have to fellowship. We need each other. We can't live in isolation. We can't do this thing alone. They committed to come together on a regular basis. The breaking of bread, which is communion, and of course, they committed to prayer. They said, this is going to be the mark of our life. These four things... We're going to do what we're taught. We're going to gather for fellowship. We're going to have communion together on a regular basis, and we're going to pray. And, and this is what they committed to. An incredible growth took place. But they were committed to fellowship. They were just committed to it. And it's a commitment that we have to make in our life. And especially today in 2017 when we got cell phones and iPads and and computers and social media and all these different networking, which really causes us to be more isolated than anything else. It doesn't cause us to come together. It really causes us to separate. I, wanna, I have this comedian that I watch every now and then, and, and I remember I, I was watching one of his comedy routines, and he was talking about the doorbell ringing in 2017 versus the doorbell ringing in 1980. And I thought, man, this is so funny because this was my childhood. He said, you know, it's a different feeling when your doorbell rings nowadays. Years ago, the doorbell would ring. It was called company. We'd have company come over. Remember when company used to come over? People would come over, they spent hours together, you know, gathered. Now the doorbell rings, 2017, you're like, who, who's at the door? My wife and I, we live in a, in a gated community, and, and if the doorbell rings, it's like, what, what's going on? Who's, we didn't call anybody in. How did somebody get to our front door? We're like freaking out. Should we answer? Should we not answer? I mean, I don't know. Must be the neighbor, you know? This is, this is the world that we live in now. And we have, to, we have to be intentional about relationships. We have to put it on our radar. Because here's what Proverbs chapter 18 says. Listen to what it says. A man who isolates himself rages against all wise judgment. He seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgments. Now listen to what it says. A man, now that's gender neutral, it's gender neutral, man or woman, but I've seen this happen to man after man after man, and let me tell you, men, we're some of the worst. In fact, we are the worst at isolating ourselves. We're terrible at it. I used to lead a small group with young guys, man, young guys, you know, 18 to 25. We were leading a small group in one of the offices during one of the sessions that we had. And I remember looking at these young guys, there's like six or seven of them, were gathered around table and couches and chairs, and I asked them a question. I said, how many of you, your dads, have friends? Just how many of you, just tell me, how many of you, your dads have friends? Everybody in the room said, my dad has no friends. He's got no friends. 
He doesn't go anywhere, doesn't hang out with anybody, doesn't do anything. And I looked at them, now my dad had passed away, and I said, you know what? My dad was the same way. My dad didn't have any friends. My dad didn't hang out with nobody. My dad didn't go out anywhere. He didn't connect with anybody. He didn't have any friends. And I thought, how, how, how is it that you go through life and these buddies that you had in high school, these pals, I mean, the guys that you'd hang out. Listen, my dad, before he got saved, had tons of friends. He, he was a, an alcoholic and, and would go out drinking. He had tons of friends. When he got saved, no friends. Isn't that crazy? How is that? That's the devil trying to get us to isolate ourselves. I'm a Christian now. I can't do anything fun. No, listen. We've got to be intentional because here's what happens. We isolate ourselves. It's a choice. Listen, a man who isolates himself, it's his choice. My wife and I, we had close friends that ended up moving away not a couple years ago and We'd go over the house a lot and go travel with them a little bit here and there. But the man would never do anything without his wife. He wouldn't go anywhere without his wife. I tried to get him to go to small group. No, not going. At that time, we didn't have any male-female groups. It was all men groups, all ladies groups. He just wouldn't go anywhere. Wouldn't go to a party, wouldn't go out. I couldn't get him to small groups. He would not do anything without his wife. And I began to find out and discover why. I said, why, why would you go to small group? I was inviting them to small groups. I go, we'll get these guys that get together. Man, we just, we just we study the Bible. We pray for each other. We just, we get real. And he wouldn't go for anything. And I found out that he just, he built up these walls over time. He had been burnt. He had been, been hurt. And over a period of time, he had built up these walls And he had just determined he was not going to let anybody into his life except for his wife. That was it. And I thought, you know, how is that? How sad is that? How we go through a life and and you get burnt. Listen, I know what getting burnt is like, man. My wife and I, we've been in in ministry. I've been in ministry now for, I don't know how many years, 27 years. And and listen, we got griddle marks all over. Uh, I mean, just all over. We have been burnt over and over again. People in our life have walked out. I know what that feels like. Here one day, gone the next. Never tell us why, just walk out the door, walk right out of our life. I know what that's like, but you know what? It's a choice that we make to isolate ourselves. And we could say the same thing. We could say, listen, I've been burnt, we've been hurt, we vacationed with people who just, just here one week, gone the next. And it's very easy to isolate yourself. But we've said to ourselves, you know what, we can't go there. That's a, that's a choice that we, we refuse to make in our life. We will not isolate ourselves. Think about this. The worst punishment somebody could hand down, a judge could hand down, or, or can happen in a prison sentence, is besides the death penalty, the worst punishment is solitary confinement. It's the worst. I I began to study this week, and I looked at this. Watch this. In 1951, researchers at McGill University paid a group of male students to to stay in small chambers. They were going to study the effects of solitary confinement. So they paid a group of, uh, of young students 
these guys to stay in small chambers equipped with only a bed, uh, and they were going to do an experiment for sensory deprivation. They could leave to use the bathroom, but that's it. They had to wear goggles and earphones to limit their sense of sight and hearing, and glove to, gloves to limit their sense of touch. And they were going to observe these students for six weeks. They said, we're going to put you in this room for six weeks. Goggles, headphones on. We're going to put gloves on you so that you can't talk to anybody. You can't see anybody. You can't hear anybody. You can't touch anybody. Six weeks. They paid them. Not one person lasted more than seven days. At the end of seven days, they all quit And here's what they found out. They found that nearly every student lost the ability to think clearly about anything for any length of time. Huh? Just just completely void of the ability to think clearly because they've isolated themselves while several others began to suffer hallucinations. They've They've done studies on inmates who have spent extended time in solitary confinement. Here's some of the effects that's on their life. Besides hallucinations, they get panic attacks, overt paranoia, a diminished impulse control. They're hypersensitive to external stimuli. They have difficulties with thinking, concentration, and memory. Every parent with a teenager knows exactly what I'm talking about now. Stand on the phone, we just had the phone, right? And they just can't think clearly. Some inmates lost the ability to maintain a state of alertness while others developed crippling obsessions. That is the effect of solitary confinement. And listen, the Bible knew this years ago. How many of you know today we're just trying to catch up with the Bible? The Bible knows that when you isolate yourself, when you say, listen, I'm just going to live by myself and I'm just going to build my four walls and I refuse to enter into relationship or fellowship or connection with anybody. I'm just going to try to figure this Christian walk out by myself. The Bible knows when you try that, you are setting yourself up for failure. You were never created that way. That's not God's intention. That's not God's design. That's not God's purpose for your life. You were created for relationships. Hallelujah. You were created for that. In fact, Bishop Tony Miller, here's what he said. He said, to resist connection is to frustrate God's design. To resist connection, to resist and refuse to connect with anybody, is to frustrate God's design. I I have two favorite commercials of all time. I, I love these commercials. One's a group of old men at McDonald's. I don't know if you've ever seen that commercial. I'm going to have to fit it into a sermon somewhere because it's hilarious. It has no spiritual meaning whatsoever, but it's just funny. So that's going to somehow, some way, I'm going to connect that to something. But this is my other favorite commercial. I've showed this before. This one is hilarious. Toyota put a commercial out years ago. They had a new model coming out called the Venza. And so I want you to watch this commercial for the Toyota Venza when it first came out. We're going to dim the lights. Check out this commercial. I read an article, well, I read the majority of an article online about how older people are becoming more and more antisocial. So I was really aggressive with my parents about joining Facebook. My parents are up to 19 friends now. I have 687 friends. This is living. Not a real puppy. That's too small to be a real puppy. Toyota Venza. Keep on going. Here's the part that I love. Here's the part that I love of that commercial. 
I have 687 friends. This is living. And I thought, who wrote, whoever wrote this, I just want to shake their hand. That they found some girl in a room by herself with a computer and her parents are off living life, connecting in the real world, outdoors, come on somebody, fellowshipping with another couple while she's inside telling people how sad her parents were because they only had 19 friends on Facebook while she has 687 friends. This is living. I say that to Cynthia all the time. I have 550 friends. This is living. And I think this is the world that we live in today. But listen, this isn't just, well, you know, this is culture and, and we've, we've kind of slid off base a little bit. It is a plan from the enemy to isolate ourselves. Amen. He wants us disconnected. He wants you sitting at home just by yourself, with yourself, nobody to talk to by yourself. Listen, that's the plan of the enemy. And we feed right into it. When we isolate ourselves, three big relationships everybody needs. You ready for these? The three big ones. First one is this. Everyone needs a mentor. You have to have one. Now, I'm not saying you get all three of these at the same time. That's why I say it's in your lifetime. But you need in your life a mentor. Valentin and Geraldine came up and they said, listen, we, we connected with discovery classes because we realized we don't know it all. We want to grow. It's our Christian growth track. We want to grow spiritually. And so Valentin just, man, he put his life, Pastor Tom Urso is, is, is oversees our discovery classes and just, man, he just, they just gravitated and just connected. And, and I know Valentin, he never told me this personally, but I could tell you right now, this is what he said. I, I need somebody to speak into my life. Let me ask you this question. Who's speaking into your life? Who's speaking into your life? Guys, who's, who's telling you how to be a better husband? Come on, dumb one. I said, who's telling you how to love your wife as Christ loves the church? Who, who's helping you to be a better father? Who, who's helping you to make the major decisions of your life? Ladies, who's, who's, who's helping you navigate all the different hats that you have to wear? I mean, who, who is out there? You need people. You need a mentor over your lifetime. Throughout your lifetime, you need somebody that's going to speak into your life to help you make the major decisions of your life. You don't want to go it alone. Listen, I'm educated, I'm smart, but I'm not that smart, I'm not that educated. I don't want to try to live life alone. I've been there. When my wife and I, we really struggled in our marriage and things were just absolutely falling apart. Listen, I had nobody that I could talk to. And I remember when we began to turn that thing around and begin to fix our marriage and begin to learn how to love each other, I said, I will never do that again. I will never be alone. I will never be isolated like that again. I'm going to connect with people. And I just began to invite these people into my life. And listen, listen, I had to seek them out. They didn't seek me out. I'm going to try that over here. I said, I had to seek them out. They didn't seek me out. I had to go to them and say, listen, can you, can you help me here? I, I've been meeting with one guy now for years. 
Every, uh, we met every week for years. Now it's every other week, still to this day. Been in ministry for years, pastoring for years, but I still recognize that where I am today, listen, I still need people in my life. I've had the same pastor for 38 years speaking into my life. Listen, it is important for you to have somebody that can ask you serious questions. Who's asking you the tough questions? Who's asking you any questions? Like, what are you doing? Huh? You need somebody in your life to ask you the, the, the real questions of your life. You have to seek them out. You need, listen, everybody in their lifetime needs a mentor. And I just determined, I'm going to gravitate to these men. I'm going to hold on to them. I refuse to let them go. They're stuck with me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Guess what? I'm, I'm clinging to them. I'm clinging to them. Let me just tell you, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Did you hear me now? You need to get into a room where you're not the smartest person in the, in the room. See, some people are in the room by themselves because they just determined, I'm going to be the smartest person in the room. And so I'm in a room with nobody. Of course you are. Huh? You need to get into the room where you're not the smartest person in the room. You, don't, you realize you don't have it all together and you, somebody can speak into your life. Everybody needs a mentor. That's why we have, listen, we have these small groups. You say, well, Pastor, you're just preaching this uh, because of small group season and sessions coming up. No, this is something that I've lived my entire life. And even those times when I have isolated, it's because I isolated myself. But I determined no more, no more. I am going to have somebody in my life that speaks into my life. And so I, I've clinged to them. And you need to get into a small group or into discovery class where you can be in a room where somebody could ask real questions and you could get real answers. It's necessary in your life. Now, not every room, not every small group we have, you know, is, is, is just about studying the Bible or, or anything like that. But let me tell you, when you seek out a mentor, God will put one in your life. He'll, he'll make it happen. I promise you that. The second relationship that everyone needs, everyone needs a friend. Remember last week, I, I, I love the message last week. Pastor Andreas Bunch from Columbia just came and he preached an incredible message last week about a guy in the Bible, in the book of Acts, by the name of Barnabas. And, and you can watch every one of these big three relationships you'll find in the life of the Apostle Paul. Listen, the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, huh? the guy that, that did incredible healings and, and, and miracles and crusades, huh? the guy that just, I mean, he, he literally just, just helped birth the early church. He had every one of these relationships, and it started with a guy named Barnabas. Barnabas took Paul as, as a mentor. In other words, Barnabas was the mentor to Paul. The first words that Paul ever heard from another Christian was from Barnabas. And so we, we have to understand that, that this is important for, for somebody to come into our life, to speak into our life. Barnabas tra tra trained him. Barnabas raised him up. Barnabas encouraged him. But Paul also found a friend. 
And that friend was a guy by the name of Silas. And man, they traveled together. They were in it together. They, they were beat up together. Man, they had told stories. Let me tell you, the stories those two could tell, right? Because every one of us needs a friend. Not somebody who's always going to try to correct us or, or always going to be there and, and we don't always have to lift them up and they don't always have to lift us. Just somebody that's on the same level with us who's a friend, right? Who could just speak into our life. And you need somebody, listen to me, watch this. You need somebody of the same gender, right? Because I, I, I have a wife. I don't have to seek her out to tell her stories, Right? I mean, it's, it's easy for me to communicate with her. But I need somebody from the same gender that I can just, just be a friend to. And the Bible says this, if you want friends, you have to show yourself friendly. In other words, you have to seek them out. What happens to us over our lifetime? When we have these friends in elementary school, in middle school, in high school, right? And, and we just cling to them, and then all of a sudden, life just begins to happen, and we lose contact with all of our friends. And I understand that, that people come and go different seasons of our life, but we should have some friends in our life. We should have somebody there that we can just talk to. And, and listen, we could just tell them and just t- be real with them. The third relationship everybody needs is this. Everybody needs someone to disciple. Everybody needs someone to disciple. Now, again, I said that these come and go at different seasons of your life. If you're, you know, you're first new to Christianity or new to the church or, or, or the relationship with God right now, you're struggling. Maybe this isn't the season for you to disciple somebody, but at some point over your lifetime, you need to look back at your life and say, okay, I am going to choose to disciple, pour my life into somebody else. Jesus' last words, Matthew chapter 28, he said to his disciples, what? Go and make disciples. Years ago, we had services on Wednesday night. And I would come and I would teach down here at the altar, I would teach, we'd gather, we had a Wednesday night service, it looked a lot like our Sunday morning services. And God just began to stir in me that we need to make a change. And here's why. I kept staring at the same faces every Wednesday night. As much as I loved everybody in that room, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm not so sure they need another sermon on David and Goliath. I think they've got that one covered. And I would just, I would begin to look up. Now listen, I understand the Bible is inexhaustible and, and, and you can study it all of your life. But I began to look at people on Wednesday nights and I began to realize, you know, they should be teaching other people. And, and listen, we all gather, we come together, there's a season for that. But there's also an opportunity for us to say, you know what, I, I've had a few sermons now. I, I've been doing this thing for a few years. I I know some things. I'm not completely void of... uh, I may not figure out the whole Bible. Listen, I don't have the whole Bible figured out either. Don't ask me what the seven bowls and seven candlesticks in Revelation mean. I have no idea. I studied it out one time. It's gone. It was 
As soon as it went in, it also left because it's not helping me love my children and my wife. So I'm not so sure what they mean. But I know this. I know something. I may not know everything. I may not have figured out the whole totality of the scriptures. But I've got a few things figured out. And where I'm at right now in my life, I should be pouring into somebody else. Amen? We ought to be discipling somebody. Listen, if you've been married for 20 years, you should have figured something out. I mean, you survived something, right? You, you've, you've got a few battle scars. You've figured out a few things, huh? You should, have, you should be able to tell somebody who's newly married, okay, here's a couple tips. Just let me give you. If you've been in Sunday school and church, some of you have been in Sunday school and church all your life. I'm not going to ask for show of hands, but I'm talking about me all my life. I should be discipling people. Listen, three relationships everybody needs. We all need a mentor. Now, that's never going to leave your life. I believe that that just happens all of your life. Then you need a friend. I believe that one happens all your life. You, you need friends. And you need someone to disciple. You need somebody to speak into their life. And, and, and listen, that comes at a certain season in your life. Think about this. From the moment you're born to the moment you die, think about how valuable relationships are to you. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come and, and we're going to close out in just a moment. One thing that's always said of people when they pass away, and and I'm going to tell you, I said always, I should say most always, is they they went on to be with the Lord, surrounded, what does it say? By friends and loved ones. Why? Because that's what God intended. We come into this world and we are desperately in need of people. You come in completely helpless. You can't feed yourself, bathe yourself, clothe yourself, provide for yourself. You are 100% dependent on people. Do you know for most people, at the end of their life, it's the same thing. They're dependent on people. Desperate, needy, wanting to be gathered around. People gather around. That's what God intended Why spend the middle of it, listen to me, why spend the middle of it isolated? Yet thousands of people do. They're isolated the whole life. And listen, thousands of people slip into eternity with nobody surrounding their life. Nobody gathered around them. Nobody crying and nobody shedding tears. Nobody heartbroken and heart-wrenched. Why? Because of isolation. God never intended that. He intended us to be in relationship. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?